Thank you guys for being here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we spent the last few uh, weeks listening in on Jesus' prayer to the Father in, uh, in John 17. And just a little bit of a background is Jesus' time uh, had come. He knew the cross lay right before him, and he had just concluded giving the disciples instructions and preparing them for what was to come, what was about to happen. And so he knew the cross was coming. He knew the disciples. He knew the questions that they had. And so he knew that whenever he was going to be sent to the cross to die, uh, that, that there was going to be a lot of confusion and chaos. And so he began to speak into that. And as he did, he lifts up his eyes into heaven, and he began speaking directly to the Father. And it's such a great intimate moment. There are various opinions on whether or not this prayer happened uh, in the upper room before they sang the traditional Passover songs or later um, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's just whether it happened in the room or on the way, but regardless of either way, Warren Wiersbe says this, whether he prayed it in the upper room or en route to the garden, this much is sure it is the greatest prayer recorded anywhere in Scripture, and I would agree to that. Uh, I have loved digging into John 17. In fact, I was laughing uh, at myself earlier because if you just open uh, my Bible, you can see the pages curled like it automatically goes to John 17. It's just been such a sweet time digging into the words of Christ as he speaks to his daddy, uh, Father God up in heaven. And, and we get to peek in on that and we get to, to see in on that. And it's just such an incredible moment. And this is a prayer that through it, we get to witness one of the uh, the most intimate glimpses anywhere in Scripture of the mind and the heart of our Lord. And what an incredible, uh, incredible privilege it is for us to be able to listen in on it. Uh, you know, Deborah and I, uh, when we first got married, we lived in an apartment in, in Humble, Texas, uh, on the other side of town. And uh, I used to come in late because I went to school. I worked in the day, went to school at night, and Deborah worked uh, at a hospital at the time. And so I remember coming in late one night, and there was some, like, chaos going on in the apartment below us. And I remember us sitting there going, like, I wonder what's going on. Like, I wonder, I wonder what they're fighting about. I wonder what was happening in that apartment. And we tried to listen, and we pulled, you know, the, the cup to the floor, trying to listen, like, through the floor of the apartment. Like, what's going on there? And we started to, to allow our imaginations to go. And we're like, man, like, I wonder if he's trying to kill her. Like, it sounds like he's trying to kill her. Like, is someone getting murdered in the apartment below us? And Deborah runs to the back and comes in, and she's got her stethoscope from working at the hospital. So we start listening to the, uh, the stethoscope, going, like, what's going on? And, and we looked out there, look, there's a strange car in the parking lot. Like, I bet, like, someone came home, and there was an extra person that wasn't supposed to be there, and, like, chaos is happening now. And so we had our imaginations going everywhere. We watched way too much TV. I confess that before you right now. But it's just a funny thought of thinking of us actually putting a stethoscope to the floor, trying to listen in on our neighbors, and we did do that um, <laughs> because we wanted to eavesdrop on what was going on. Now, how many of you, though, would be honest in saying, like, you have done something similar? Maybe not a stethoscope to the floor, but maybe growing up, you put the, the cup to the door to see what your parents were talking about, or you try to eavesdrop on uh, your sister or your brother, like Curtis talked about last week, you guys, the younger people here don't understand, but you used to pick up the phone and listen in on the conversation to see what was happening on the other line. Like, that is kind of our nature is to be curious of what is going on, and, and many of us have been caught. Like, I have been caught, and it's kind of that, like that uh-oh moment, but the cool thing here is that it, it, we don't have to worry about being caught because Jesus leaves the door wide open. In this intimate conversation between him and the Father, this most intimate time, he's about to go give his life as a ransom for all of us. For all of mankind, he's about to go to the cross. He has all that weighing on his heart and on his shoulders. And he lifts his eyes up to heaven. And he leaves the door wide open. And he allows us to listen in on the prayer of him to his father. And so that's what we've been going through the last few weeks. The first week, 
we looked at verses 1 through 5, and we saw that God is glorified when Jesus is glorified, and in the midst of that glory, we receive eternal life. And the second week, we looked at verses 6 through 12, and we saw that in this world, a disciple knows God's word and knows God's name. In the third week, we looked at verse 13, and we saw that Jesus has left this world, but in doing so, he has left us his joy. And then last week, we looked at verses 14 uh, through 16, and we saw that, we're, uh, that we are in this world, but not of this world, because Jesus was in this world, but not of this world. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 17, and we're going to continue on this week and look at verses 17 through 19. John 17, verses 17 through 19. Jesus is talking to the Father, and he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So Jesus is praying for the disciples here, and he's praying for us as well. If you look down in in verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through uh, their word. And so like uh, some people would say, oh, well, like there's a break there, and Jesus begins to pray for us later on. But I do not believe that that is how we read it. I believe that when we look at verse 20, Jesus is praying all this about his disciples. And he's like, I'm not only praying this prayer for them, but I'm also praying it for those that are going to come for the purpose of what 20 goes on to say, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And so I believe that Jesus is specifically praying for his disciples, but in doing so, he is also praying for each and every one of us in this room today and for followers of Jesus and believers all around this world. He is praying for us at this moment uh, to the Father, and he says these words, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And so what he is praying in these verses is for us, for his followers, to be sanctified. And the word here is hagiazo, and, and it, it is the, uh, the meaning of to be separated from things profane and to be made holy in order to be consecrated or set apart for God's service. And so as he looks out on his followers, as he had us in mind that day, he's saying, Father, sanctify them. Father, would you uh, set them aside? Would you uh, separate them from things profane, and will you make them holy in order for them to be set apart for my service? Now, it's important for us to realize that this is not a call to remove ourselves from the world. This setting apart from the world is not to be removed from the world, but uh, to be different from the world as we engage it. It's the idea that we see expressed in Romans 12, 1 through 2, when it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your uh, bodies as living sacrifices, sanctification, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, consecrated, set apart, made different, by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so it's not the removing of the world, it's not taking ourselves out of the world, but it is separating ourselves for holy service as we engage the world. And that's the big difference. As we are actively going into the world, we see in verse 18 that the whole reason he is praying for our sanctification is not for us to be separated from the world, but rather because he is sending us into the world. So what we're looking at today, the truth, the theme that we're looking at today is we are sanctified from the world to be sent into the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. 
If we're going to be on mission in the world, if we're going to be sent out into the world, uh, then we need to be sanctified from the world. Now, this is necessary preparation uh, if we're going to be faithful and successful in the work that God has sent us out to do. We cannot go into the world and accomplish the things of the kingdom if we are not sanctified or set apart from the world. And so it's important for us to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers. It's kind of like a, a soldier before battle. Uh, Desmond Merrill uh, came and hung out with us the other night, and he has been through basic training uh, in the military. And then he's also went into a specialized training, and he's got a break before he uh, gets sent overseas. And we are just talking a little bit about that preparation that he had to go through, you know. And I was laughing at him as he described going through the gas chamber and, and just foaming at the mouth and all the stuff that he described uh, how hard it was to go through that chamber. But it's that proper preparation where it's something that's not always easy. It's not always the most uh, enjoyable thing, but it is for a good reason and a good purpose, and it prepares you for the mission that lays ahead. And he's and Carly was asking him, my daughter was asking, like, why in the world would they send you through a gas chamber? Like, that just sounds cruel. And he says, because in parts of the world, you engage uh, th- that kind of warfare. You, you can engage gas and biological warfare, and they're wanting to prepare you so that you can be ready for it when it comes. It's that proper preparation, and that is what sanctification is for us. It's like the practice before the game. I hated two-a-days in Texas. I mean, let's be honest, 100 and something degrees, and you're out there with full uniforms to sweating uh, to death, and it was just so hot and just so horrible. And I remember hating going to practice. I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh, man, can it just be over already? But yet when Friday night came and it was ready to go, like I was so hyped and I was ready to go out and I played. But if it wasn't for the weekdays, if it wasn't for those two days, if it wasn't for that daily preparation, then we would not have been ready to go out and fight on a Friday night. And it's the same thing for the kingdom of God. If it's not for this preparation, this sanctification, this setting apart, then as Jesus sends us into the world, we're not going to be ready for it. But we need to be ready to engage this world for the kingdom of God. So why do we need to be sanctified in order to be sent into the world? As we learned last week, Jesus and the world are not in sync. The things of God and the things of the world are not synonymous. John 12, 31 says that Satan is the ruler of the world. 1 John 5, 19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, talking of Satan. And we don't have to look too hard to see the evidence of this truth. Christians are being brutally killed for their faith through mass executions overseas, and we see beheadings and, and even more recently drownings where people were put in cages and dipped into pools as they drowned to death because they uh, proclaim, uh, pro- proclaim Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we're seeing believers being killed for their beliefs. We see uh, extreme poverty existing all around the world. We see millions of people that are being exploited through modern-day slavery and, who, and, and human trafficking. Uh, we have church members at prayer meetings being shot just because of the color of their skin. And we have churches that are being burned down out of hatred towards the people who worship inside of them. And we have a government that is trying to redefine marriage. And we have 77% of Americas, uh, Americans that are actively viewing porn on a monthly basis. Like there is no more evidence to say that the, the person who rules this world, the governor of this world, is Satan. And the world and the things of God are not in sync. The things of this world and the things of the kingdom are not synonymous. And so we need to be sanctified if we're going to engage. If we're going to be on mission for God, then we need to be in sync with God. And we can't be in sync with God if we're not sanctified from the world as the world is not in sync with God. The problem is many times we run in sync with the world and then we step back as Christians and wonder why God isn't using us more. We like to put our feet out in the things of the world, and we like to dabble in the things of the world, and we like to, to do 
uh, our own thing throughout the week, and then we step back and say, but Jesus, like, I believe in you. Like, why aren't you using me more? Why aren't you moving in my life more? Why aren't you showing up in my life more? Why aren't you doing more in and through me? We run in sync with the world and wonder why God isn't present in our life. We cannot be in sync with the world and with God at the same time. It's impossible. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And so as a result, Jesus prays for our sanctification. He prays that as believers that we be set apart from the things of this world. Sanctification keeps us in sync with God. It keeps us connected to the things of God and to the purpose of God and to the purpose of the kingdom. Sanctification protects us from the consequences of a life lived in the world. You know, the word of God says what? That the ways of man seem right in his own eyes, but in the way leads to what? To death. And so when we are sanctified, when we are set apart and following after the spirit of God, we are uh, being protected from the consequences of living a life in the world. And then sanctification protects our credibility. As we live our life on mission, as we point people to the Father through the Son, as we call uh, people to new life in Christ, we must be living what we are sharing. We must be, as they say, practicing what we preach, amen? Like if we're gonna be a church that stands upon the name of Jesus, like we say here at Bay City Fellowship, we say we're all about Jesus and we're about serving as many people as possible in his name. If we're gonna stand on that truth, then we better back it up by the way that we live our lives. And that's not just on a Sunday morning, that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We need to live a life that is set apart, sanctified, separated for service to God. It protects our credibility. We cannot stand up here and say that we are a church about Jesus if we're not living like a bunch of people who are about Jesus. I tell students all the time, difference makers are different. Difference makers are different. And if we're going to make a difference in this world, then we need to be different from the world. You know, when you deal with students, a lot of them, they want to make a difference. You know, I could go into a room full of students, and I could probably do the same here today, and I would say, hey, raise your hand if you want to make a difference in this world. If you want to be used by God, if you want to just change this world for the better, raise your hand, and everyone in the room would probably raise your hand. There's not, I would doubt anybody in here that says, yeah, like, I don't want my life to matter for anything. Right? Like, I, I don't want, yeah, I just want to be a, a, like a, a bum the rest of my life, and I don't want to accomplish anything. And when I die, I don't even care if anybody shows up because, like, I'm not worried about my life. Like, we all want our life to matter. We all want to make a difference in this world. The hard part comes in is realizing that difference makers are different. We can't make a difference if we're not willing to be different. The best example of this is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was in the world. Jesus was with us in the world. Jesus was with the disciples in the world. But there's a curiosity about him because he was not like those around him. And it wasn't because he followed a list of religious rules. It wasn't because Jesus went around doing these things and not doing these things. It wasn't the religious checklist that set Jesus apart. In fact, on different occasions, the religious called him a glutton, a drunk, a friend of sinners. It was his spirit and the connection to the Father that set him apart. He was different and he was authentic. And so as we follow his example, may we realize that being sanctified is not just going through a bunch of religious check marks and saying, hey, if I read my Bible more, I'll be sanctified because it's a spiritual checklist to do. Uh, we can't just say, hey, if I go to church more, I'll be more sanctified. If I do this more, I'll be more sanctified. If I cuss less, I'll be more sanctified. If I, you know, we can sit there and make those things and it helps us feel better about ourselves, but those things do not sanctify us. 
It's living in the spirit connected to the Father that sanctifies us. And so we dig into the word, why? Because we want to know more about the Father, because we want to know more about Jesus Christ, because we want to know more about the Holy Spirit that moves in and through our life. We go to church, why? Because we want to be connected with other believers, and we want to, to draw from one another. We want to celebrate with one another. We want to build each other up for the work of the kingdom, not so we can mark off a spiritual checklist. And Jesus wasn't about a spiritual checklist. He was about being connected to the Father through the Spirit, and we need to follow his example. That is what sanctifies sanctification looks like. And this sanctification happens through the word. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. D.L. Moody says this. He says, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. The world likes to say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. You hear it all the time. It's this whole idea of what is true for you is true for you, and what is true for me is true for me, and so we can just live in that and live harmonious in that, and you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone, then everything will be fine. The problem is, is that this is called moral relativism, and it is a lie straight from hell. Because there is absolute truth, and it's found in God's Word and in the person of Jesus Christ, who the Word of God says is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among them. So Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Word is Absolute truth. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're to walk in that truth, and as we do, we become sanctified. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? Psalm 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 18.30, The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in him. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work uh, that he is to do. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, which is why Luke 11.28 says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so it's through the Word of God that we become sanctified. The Word of God is powerful. It is alive. And as we devote ourselves to it, it changes us from the inside out and we become sanctified. That is a sanctification process. The Word of God, the living truth, cleanses us from the inside out and changes us into the people that God has called us to be as we go and engage this world. And so a sidebar here, if you'll allow me for just a second. The Word of God is truth, yes, but it's important for us to remember that the whole Word of God is truth. We cannot cut and paste the Word of God into our lives. If the Word of God is true, then the Word of God is true. We can't say, I like this part, man. God, God is love. God loves us. And we, are, like, we can't just say, oh, I believe in these things, and I'm going to cling to these things. So I will cut, and I will paste them onto my heart. But these things over here, what, like there's judgment coming? What, there's something called sin, and I'm supposed to not be of the world? Like, like what is Oh, I don't know if I like that, and so we'll cut and discard that. And it's real easy to do, but we cannot live our lives that way. The Word of God is true, and the whole Word of God is true. We can't just cut and paste Scripture uh, with what we want to believe in and ignore the rest. Mark Twain says this. He says, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand. Soren Kierkegaard says this, the Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. 
We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know that the very minute that we understand it, we are obliged to act accordingly. How true that is for me sometimes. And I'm sure I'm not the only one today. And so as we engage this world, it's, it's very imperative that we not leave out Scripture, but that we cling to the whole Word of God, which is truth. And we live our lives accordingly and allow it to transform us and to change us, to sanctify us from the inside out. So we are sanctified from the world through the Word to be sent into the world. You see, sanctification is not the end. It's not like God sanctify me, set me apart, make me holy for your service so that I can just step back and be holy. God does not set us apart so that we can say, look at me, I'm set apart. I'm special. I'm God's child. God sets us apart so that we can go out on mission. He sets us apart to be active in our daily lives, pushing the kingdom, advancing the kingdom for his name and for his glory's sake. And so we can't just set satisfied with sanctification. We must take that sanctification and be moved by it. John 17, 18 says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus is sending us into the world on mission. And Jesus was sent into the world on mission. Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Matthew 20, 28 says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. Jesus was sent into this world, and he was sent into this world on mission, and now he sends us into the world on mission just like him. Matthew 28.19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, well, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. We have a mission. Just like Christ was sent out on mission to seek and to save those which were lost, he sends us out on mission to proclaim his name and the kingdom of God and to seek and to save those which are lost so that they may know him and come to know him. Jesus came to set sinners free. He came to make lives New. He came to be the hope for the hopeless. He came to die so that we may live, not just for us, but for everyone who believes in his name. He is our blessed hope. He is the one that we put our sight on because he is coming again, but not as a baby in a manger, but as the king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming with power and authority, and he's going to call his church together, and we are going to stand with him. And we need not to cling to that and hold on to it for ourselves, but it's our job as followers of Jesus Christ to take that message into the world because he not only came to seek and to save us so that we would not be lost, but for the whole world, that anybody who believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so we take that message and we say, hey, you need hope, I have the key to hope. You need happiness, I have the key to happiness. You need joy, I have the key to joy. You need someone to lift you up, I have someone that can lift you up. You need someone to save you. I know a Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about him. Because we have a mission that we are to sit out on. Jesus sent us out to proclaim his name and to share his message. And it is us, the church, that need to do that. That is the reason for sanctification is so that we can be sent out for his kingdom. So we go, we proclaim his name, we live for him, we call others to do the same. We share the, the saving love of Christ so that through him people may know the Father and share in his blessed hope. And the world needs this message. The world needs a savior. And we're given the awesome privilege and, and the awesome mission to carry out his name and to share this message. You know, the cool thing is, is God doesn't need us. 
right? God could do his thing with or without us, but yet he chooses to invite us into his story. He chooses for us to have a part in the play. And we need to go into this world and serve the kingdom. We are the church, and as a church, we're going to be intentional in the way that we reach out to those around us. We need to be intentional in the way that we live our lives for others and not for ourselves. We need to be intentional as we point others to the only one who can truly save. We need to be intentional as we serve our fields in our world. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need to be intentional in engaging the world in order for them to know that Jesus is the way and that there is no way under the Father except through him. The Word of God says this about us. It says, you are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. D.L. Moody says this, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible and 99 will read the Christian. The, world, uh, the message that the world sees in us matters. So we need to be sanctified through his word so that we can be effective in our mission as we go into the world. And as we go into the world this morning, I want to close with reminding us that we are not alone. Just as verse 19 says, I have consecrated myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus has gone before us, and Jesus is with us, and Jesus has sent the, the Holy Spirit to empower us and to equip us and to lead us. And so through the sanctification of his word and the empowering of his Holy Spirit, we go and we carry his name. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. And I thank you for your name. I thank you for the power that is in your name. I thank you that you uh, had so much love for this world that you sent Jesus Christ your one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so we lift that name on high today. We proclaim that name in the house today, our blessed hope. And may we as a church take serious this call to be sanctified. May we be active in your word. May we be active in your presence, Father God. And as we draw near to you and as we pull into you, Lord, your spirit draws near to us and begins to speak into our hearts and our minds. And may that change us from the inside out. And may we become more like you. And may we be set apart from this world, not clinging to the things of this world, but engaging this world through your spirit, Father God, so that we can proclaim your kingdom. Help us to be a church that is active. Help us to be a church that engages this world for your kingdom. Help us be a church that is full of difference makers, that are willing to be different. Ask this in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bill Stanley.